Hi, Emily. Hi, Jennifer. So, it is January. It is January. And it's it a Saturday. It's a Saturday. It's 2021. And as, as, as far as... As this very moment in time, um, you know, the world isn't on fire, and um, the American democracy still exists. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, knock on wood. <laughs> I, I mean, that could change in the next, who knows, but, uh, you know, if it doesn't, well, anyone who's listening will be like, haha, yeah, I remember when that happened, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's been a real like stressful tense time and uh yet somehow we're still here having a real stressful tense time. It just keeps going. Well, you know, if you, if you can't laugh at it, what's the point? You could get distracted by an other terrifying tale. Maybe even a terrifying tale that I'll share with you today. Yeah, because you're listening to all things terror which is a weekly podcast when we're not on hiatus where we bring you true terrifying tales from science, history, and across the known universe that will keep you up at night. And for those of you who are tuning in for your first episode, uh, first off, I'm sorry. Uh, Second, I'm Jennifer. And I'm Emily. And often I get a little tipsy or share a trying tale from my life but neither of those things are gonna happen today is a is is it sober episode number five sober five <laughs> sober five well it is the middle of the day um and what happened last time was i got the time mixed up so i made a cocktail because we we're recording in the evening and i was like oh i have a cocktail we'll record and then i texted jennifer i was like i'm ready and you're like no it's it's in an hour and i was like oh okay so I finished that cocktail, and then I made myself another one. Kind of forgot that that was a lot of cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is, one, uh, you only drink in the morning or late in the evening. <laughs> and two, I'm a lot nicer in your memory than I am in actual <laughs> in the actual world, because that is not what I said. Well, you know, I'm paraphrasing. It's, the, uh, it's like that... Um, song from my fair lady you'll only drink when you're by yourself or with somebody else (laughs) for the record what i said was dot 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 did you hit your head (laughs) so yeah uh it's been a trying time politically personally all that jazz we we can do the mind body and spirit of trying times (laughs) Yeah, you know, but hey, on the plus side, neither one of us, and by neither one of us, I mean me, have been felled by an old-timey disease or COVID, so, you know. You know, one day I will get my old-timey disease, and when it happens, I'm going to call <laughs> you up and just be like, ha, finally. It's going to be an All Things Terror special edition. <laughs> Break, breaking news. It'll be like 30 years from now, and we haven't, like, podcasts are so out of fashion, and we're going to just break out, like... This very archaic equipment, like, wrestle uh, Clint from the nursing home and be like, we have to have to, we one more episode, man. It's really important. All, all it is is one of us going, Jennifer has tuberculosis. 
Like, it's terrible. Cough, cough, cough. There's blood in my handkerchief. I also love that Clint's in a nursing home because he's the youngest out of all of us. <laughs> I'm just saying. But we're going to... We're going to drive him there through the insanity of this podcast. My, I, I mean, like, my personal belief is that um, anyone can end up in a nursing home. It just depends on how much your family around you hates you. <laughs> you hear that, Clint? <laughs> There's a jab at you, Clint. Small one. So, um, speaking at jabs at people, um, we are going to go for a walk into the 19th century. Uh-oh. And what is what is the uh what is the 19th century other name? Oh, is this our favorite Victorian yeah, era? Yeah, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about some Victorians. Um so I I'm going to put a slight pause on this um and say that uh while I'm going to take a giant shit on Victorians, um, I do want to acknowledge that this time period was not easy. <laughs> no. Um, so, well, I think in my, in the poop episode last season, I was talking about like, yeah, you know, industrialization was this huge rapid change and people were like trying to do the best that they could, but like technology has changed everything had changed around them of course they don't know where to put all the horse poop Uh, and things are changing quote fast right not like fast in our terms but fast in their terms yeah they were doing their best just like all of us now they were still weird and terrible (laughs) yeah and i'm gonna blame them for a lot of things so anyways we are in 19th century london and just to give you a feel um, to give some people some scene setting here. Um, in this time, uh, we're talking early 1800s, um, London is starting to grow into a very important city. Um, mm-hmm. Just to give you a sense, in uh, 1825, uh, London essentially becomes the largest city in the world um, in the greater London area. In around 1897, there's a population of about 6.2 million. Wow. It eventually has the world's largest port. And because of, you know, partially its growing, uh, you know, uh, importance. And of the port, it becomes like a, you know, key player in, in finance and trade. It's essentially a trade capital if you will um it becomes the london as we know it the london as we know it uh you also might say the height of imperialism <laughs> i would say that <laughs> <laughs> um with this comes a great deal of modernization uh roads the modern sewer system is underway there's a national uh, railway meaning like there is an actual train that goes that connects London to other parts of Great Britain um, with this of course all this modernization and growth comes uh, extreme poverty uh, not only extreme poverty but also overcrowded slums and they're extremely unsanitary um, you know there's all this different you know we while we do have some uh, terrible housing situations in the United States. Um, you know, we don't have open sewage running on the ground. 
there's actual building codes and things like <laughs> safety rules for floods and stuff like that. This did not exist. Um, no. And, you know, there there weren't really a whole lot of housing rules. Emily, you talked a little bit about a fire that changed uh, how buildings were built. Or did that steal that from you and I take that? Yeah, that's the one you stole. You stole the Great Fire. But then I did the Great Stink, which talked a lot about, yes. like, your toilet is just the basement. Yeah. <laughs> you just throw everything down there. And then, you know, it's like a knee-high lagoon of terrible sadness. Yes. And the nightmen. Remember the nightmen come to take the soil. Yes, yes. And the soil is coming out of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, really overcrowded in the slums. Uh, there is extreme poverty, and, you know, poverty in the 19th century was not a great time. Just think Charles Dickens and all his poverty porn novels, like Oliver Twist. Um, there's also a lot of pollution. Um, you mentioned uh, previously at a different episode about the London fog, uh, problems with water. <laughs> um, there's also... I also... I've, I, I think we, we might have talked about this in Dyatlov Pass, or maybe I just think about it, but I think about a lot of those things, too. Like, they didn't have synthetic fibers, which sounds really silly, but, like, that means that none of their clothes were water-resistant or wind-resistant. It was, like, wool and cotton, which can be very warm, but is not going to keep out elements in the same way. Yeah, uh, great point. Uh, on top of this, uh, there is an increase and the crimes of theft, uh, theft, rape, and assault in London. And the uh, impoverished areas, the slums, or uh, sometimes called uh, rookeries, they uh, had <laughs> an uptick I of... did not know that that was a thing, but yep. that is cool. <laughs> well, I, there's a reason why I mentioned that, because we'll get there. Um there is an uptick of tuberculosis, chloria, rickets, scarlet fever, and typhoid. So, basically, if, uh, you know, you're well-to-do in London at this time, like, you're living at the height of modernization, and you probably have some really fancy shit-covered boots, um, you're- You have a flush toilet. You have a flush toilet. You are somehow- your business is somehow in, in cahoots with the world's largest port. You're working in finance or trade somehow, and uh, life is good. If not, your life really fucking sucks. And one of the uh, famous slums of this tile, uh, time is the St. Giles Slum, also known as the St. Giles Rookery. So, gonna pause. Um, Emily, you used to work at a brewery. I did, yes. Why don't you why don't you share some of your brewer brewer knowledge and brewery experience? Cool. So like how you make beer? Yeah, how you make beer. What yeah. what the beer is stored in. Yeah, so uh beer is I mean, really it's been around forever because basically until the modern era you couldn't ensure clean drinking water. And the way that you make beer is you have yeast, hops, uh, water, and usually some sort of malt or barley, and the yeast will eat those. So you mix all those things together and get it to a warm temperature. This is called a wort. 
and the yeast will ferment by eating the sugars that come out of the malt and they will poop off alcohol um, and sometimes carbonation. And that process and the alcohol uh, would create sanitary drinks. Um, and then for modern things, um, it's you then crash it so you bring it down really cold and uh, are usually artificially carbonated uh, with CO2. And this process takes place through several very large vats um, that are, you know, huge, like you could probably fit a truck in one. Um, and yeah, that's, that's beer. That's fantastic. I, I have an idea. I was going to share a little anecdote that I know about beer from the Victorian era, but I'm concerned that this might be part of your story. So I'll keep it to myself for now. <laughs> so that's actually very helpful. So huge vats filled with basically fermenting water. Mm-hmm. Like really, really watery bread. If you got into making yeasted bread during the pandemic, as many people did, uh, just reverse the amounts of water and flour and you're well on your way to making beer. I think older beer was probably more like kombucha or something where it is fermented, but it's fermented very little. Um, and and now I'm I'm really going off on a different nerd interest, so I'll stop. Continue. <laughs> So, um, once upon a time ago, there was a brewery tap called the Horseshoe that was established in 1623. Um, it got its name from the first dining room that it had, which was clearly a horseshoe shape. Um, this went on to turn into, well, the name uh, was given to a proper brewery that was in the city of Westminster, which is actually still in London. It's actually both a uh, inner London city and borough. Um, for those of you who are like, what, what the what? Um, my explanation for this is uh, English people and also London's a giant fucking city. They had these boroughs, so basically just treat a borough like a type of um local authority district like you would say like uh you know the blah 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 police department yeah like in new york or like where i live now there's one like there are two cities that slowly grew together so technically they're different cities but there's no barrier that you can see when you're actually there yeah so um so the horseshoe went from being this little tap somewhere else to becoming the Horseshoe Brewery, uh, in 1764, and this was located, again in London, at the junction of Tottenham Court and, uh, Tottenham Court Road and Oxford Street, which I think is maybe a really roundabout way of saying a corner bar. But, nice, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I looked at the map, and first off, people from the past are terrible at making maps. Like, their drawings are just <laughs> awful, and I don't understand it. But two, it's just generally very confusing because they don't actually give the brewery the name. <laughs> they just put down, like, who owned it at the time. It's like so-and-so's brewery, which You're is even like, more helpful. Not, not what I'm looking for, pal. Compounded with the fact that, like, London has, like, a fucked road system. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an ancient city. <laughs> uh, so, in... 
1792, uh, Steve, uh, John Stevenson the Younger, which is the son of John Stevenson the Elder, if you weren't sure. Uh, How funny would that be if you're like, and he's the son of uh, David Stevenson, completely different name. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in 19, or sorry, in 1792, he becomes the owner. In 1794, uh, he died unexpectedly, and the brewery goes into the ownership of Edward Bealey, or Biley, or Biley, B-I-L-E-Y. I'm going to say Bealey because I have, that's my wildest guess. Yes, I'm the boss of the story. But uh, (laughs) it wasn't, I was, it wasn't really clear to me how he came into ownership of it. When it says come into ownership, it sounds like inheritance to me, but I don't know. It's speculation. Uh, Essentially, he went on to, you know, run the brewery up until 1809 when he went in partnership with John Blackburn and Edward Gale Bolero. And then at the end of 1809, uh, Henry Mew, um, who is a partner of one of the largest Porter Brewers, um, who is Mew Reed of the Griffin Brewery, takes ownership of the brewery. So basically, like, Henry walks in and he's like, I've been at this Porter game for a long time. I'm taking over this brewery. I'm going to make this shit happen. It's like when uh, Budweiser, of course, takes over like a little microbrewery. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, just to point out, like, you know, this is a you know, a big operation, uh, because by 1811, uh, this brewery is producing 103,502 barrels, which makes it the sixth largest brewer of porter in London. Wow. So, you know, like I said, he made shit happen. Um, so one quick note here, uh, before I go on, I am going to talk about, uh, an Irish family. Uh, something I want to point out is that island, uh, Irish immigration was starting to uh, like heat up during this time, uh, yeah. but we weren't quite near the the Great Famine yet because the Great Famine was between eighteen forty five and eighteen forty nine. We are in eighteen fourteen. Okay. So let's talk about. October 17th, 1814. There's some things Great going day. on. <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> so, um, on October 17th, 1814, um, Hannah Banfield, who is 40 years old, is having tea with her mom and another child in their house. Uh, also, there's a wake being held for a two-year-old boy, uh, for this Irish family, um, Anne Seville was the mother, Mary Mulvey and her son, uh, who is Thomas Murray, were attending, and uh, Thomas was three, Mary was 30, uh, Anne was 60, um, Elizabeth Smith was also in attendance, Elizabeth was 27, Catherine Butler was also one of the mourners, and she was 65. Why uh, do I feel like something bad is about to happen to these people? Why would something bad happen to anyone on a <laughs> podcast called All Things Terror? 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were recording our spinoff, All Things Pleasant. <laughs> um, Eleanor Cooper was a 14-year-old barmaid slash servant to somebody who I forgot to put down his name, but he was an important person. She was out washing pots in the uh, brewery's yard. Sarah Bates, uh, who is a three-year-old child, was hanging out in her house on New Street. Um, several other people uh, living near this brewery were going on uh, with their lives as normal. A lot of these buildings, by the way, um, they they had cellars, and people did, in fact, live in these cellars because uh, where uh, this brewery is located, um, its rear end of it is basically in the infamous St. Giles Rookery. So all these people are essentially living in the slum, uh, really overcrowded. Uh, the area is super, super flat, and also it has poor drainage. Remember, you could potentially be sitting in your own feces kind of situation over here. So this is what's going on on this day. On top of that, George Crick is the storehouse clerk for uh, the Horseshoe Brewery. He noticed that uh, it's about four o'clock and he notices that one of the irons around one of the vats had slipped, but he wasn't super worried. Um, the bands slip a couple times a year. Um, well, it's, it's just nothing to worry about. It happens. Well, Bangs it back into place. There you go. That's oh, essentially Jesus what they Christ. said. You know, like it happened. <laughs> the bands fail a couple of times a year. Nothing happens of it. He did tell a supervisor about the band slipping. The supervisor was like, eh. Nothing's going to happen. It's fine. Um, tell you what, go write this letter to one of our partners to have it fixed. His name is Mr. Young, and George is like, okay, cool. I'll write this letter. Now, an hour later, uh, George Crick, he's holding a letter to Mr. Young. He is standing on a platform, and he is uh, roughly 30 feet away from this vat when it explodes. Oh, no. The explosion, the force of the liquid, was uh, severe enough to cause... There's a couple of different counts, so I'm going to say either other nearby vats or nearby vat to also explode. Yeah, uh, I believe it. <laughs> I do have a weird occurrence from my life that seems relevant to the story now that I know that this is about an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save that till the end. Okay. You're welcome, Clint. So, uh, you know, you can imagine George sitting there with his little letter being like, please, sir, one of our bands. May, may I have some safety? <laughs> may I have some safety for this vat? Can you please come fix it swiftly? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's, oh I God. just remembered that, uh, did you ever watch, um, Oh, God, the name eludes me. You know the dog who tells the stories on TV? Wishbone. Wishbone, yeah. You ever watch that yes. episode where he did Oliver Twist and he was like, please, sir, I want some more. Oh, I loved Wishbone. That was my <sighs> wish Wishbone Oliver Twist impression. That's terrible. It, it was excellent. I should have <laughs> <I> known. <laughs> so, um, he's, he's holding this letter and I can't imagine what his face and thoughts were when that barrel explode, but it was probably like 
You motherfucker. <laughs> He's probably like, damn it, I worked really hard on that letter. Uh, so anywhere between 128,000 uh, to 328,000, uh, or 328,000 imperial gallons of beer came out of this these vats. Uh, what imperial imperial gallons are is a research job that is not mine, because <laughs> I hate math, and um, fuck thinking about liquid in eight hundred different measurements. Uh, Wait, is it the same as a regular gallon? I have Probably no not. clue. I'm gonna Google this real quick. Yes, Clint, you can cut this out. Well, okay, so it says one imperial gallon equals. 1.2 U.S. gallons. So it would be just a little bit more. All right. So, so like, yeah. So you said 128,000. So that's like 153. So 128,000 imperial gallons is 153,722 U.S. gallons. So Three, 323,000. So roughly 350. So 150 to so, 350. <laughs> yeah, so 323,000 imperial gallons is 387,900. So it's a, it's more, but it's not like double. Yeah. But it's still a lot. It's a lot of liquid. Get, <laughs> so um and what it ends up doing is just decimating the back wall of the brewery. So I'm going to introduce you to a new type of measurement, too, that made me LOL, because <laughs> it feels a lot like country directions, and you'll know it when I say it. <laughs> so, uh, this wall is 25 feet tall and 2.5 bricks thick. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's country directions. You know, you turn <laughs> left at the big rock. <laughs> now, you go uh, 2.5 bricks that way. It just... <laughs> What does that mean? Well, you know, the length of, like, 2.5. I don't fucking know what that looks like. Okay, so that's a measurement I didn't know, but apparently, um, if I were to take a educated guess, that is what 2.5 bricks set side by side in thickness would be like for the wall, which is, I think, them saying it's a thick-ass wall. Yeah. Um, the force was actually strong enough to push some of the bricks upwards and they fell onto the roofs of some homes that were on great russell street so little brick bombs oh, it's wow. like a volcano but with bricks yeah <laughs> and beer <laughs> and beer uh on top of that too bad there weren't any werewolves nearby uh, i know that they <laughs> would have saved the fucking day now you have to listen to the werewolf episode you're welcome <laughs> So, uh, what this ended up creating, this liquid storming this wall, is a 15-foot, approximately 15-foot Porter tidal wave that crashed into New Street when it hit- 15 feet? 15 feet. 15 feet of beer tsunami. Holy shit. Yeah, tsunami is right. Uh, this ended up destroying two homes and damaged two homes. What would 15 feet be like? A one-story house? Let's see. Yeah. Uh, about, yep. Or like... Wow, that's... 
wow. Roughly three of me stuck stacked on top of each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give or take something, because I'm not just five foot, but... Um, yeah, it's it's a giant wave of beer. Jesus. So, destroy two homes and damage two homes, plus, like, the damage to the brewery and the general, like, havoc, it the debris wreaked uh, on the surrounding area. Now. Yeah. Um, good news. All the brewery workers survived. Um, the three had to be rescued from the whole mess. Um, so that's good. Swimming in a puddle of beer. So, so we know George Crick is okay, and he's probably sitting there just motherfucking, fucking, goddamn, motherfucking, fucking shit, motherfucker. I told him, goddamn it, you know. I told that. you to fix this. Yeah. Still, still holding the letter, I imagine. Um, yeah. One hundred percent. He's like, goddamn it, you guys. However, uh, the two homes that were destroyed were the homes that Hannah Banfield. And her mother and another child were having tea in. Uh, and doesn't seem good. The home where the wake was being held. Hannah Banfield, uh, while she was having tea with her mother on this afternoon, an hour after George Crick, uh, had told a supervisor that he noticed one of the bands had slipped on the uh bat, having tea, hanging out with this kid friend. I'm assuming. Mom is just like here, eat, here, eat this have sandwich. Some PBJ and yeah, yes. peanut butter or and uh, carrot sticks. All of a sudden, her mom and the other child were swept into the street. Uh, oh my god! By the beer tidal wave, and Hannah died. Oh. The wake for a two-year-old boy were Anne Seville, Mary Mul. Mulvaney, uh, Mulvey, sorry, Thomas Murray, her three-year-old son, Elizabeth Smith, and Catherine Butler were attending. Um, all of those people died uh, by the beer tidal wave because that was the other home that was destroyed. Um, Eleanor Cooper, the 14-year-old barmaid slash servant, was... Super cool that a 14-year-old is a barmaid. That yep. seems appropriate. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, the girl who was washing pots in the pub's yard, uh, she was buried under the collapsed wall, and she died. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah Bates, who was the three-year-old girl just chilling in her house uh, on New Street, died. The area around the building, if you remember, uh, didn't have very good drainage and yeah. was in a very flat area. The beer ended up flooding the cellars of those buildings. And Uh-oh. people were reported to have had to climb on furniture to avoid drowning. Ew. And uh, also, like, there are times when, during the process, like, it smells good, but... I find that, like, when you first start boiling the wort, it does not smell good, and it does not look beer. Like, it is plants in hot water. Yes, and that was something uh, that was in my research where they're just talking, like, during the cleanup, like, on top of the situation just being awful, it also smelled awful. Not that it smelled great during those times anyways. Yeah, but this is not, like, a nice wave of a nice dark porter. This is, like, yeah, icky water. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in total, 
eight people died from this. Uh, all women and children. It makes me a little less happy that all the factory workers stayed alive. <laughs> uh, on top of that, these are all women and children living in extreme squalor in the yeah. St. Giles rookery. And just the fact that this happened during a wake just Whoa, makes it sorry. that... sorry. Uh, hang on a sec. Felix just started the TV somehow. <laughs> Essentially, um, you know... <laughs> This, uh, this beer flood ruined a lot of people's fucking day. Um, it's just sad. Uh, the whole situation is sad. Um, so let's talk about the aftermath of all this. Um, what happened to the brewery? Brewery's fine. Uh, the, uh, essentially what happened is that there was an investigation. The jury decided that the, basically, these deaths happened, quote, Casually, accidentally, and Casually. By, <laughs> by misfortune, uh, which uh, is also known as an act of God, which meant that um, the brewery wasn't responsible for any damages that these people might have tried to seek out. Uh, the brewery itself, the damage plus the loss of the vat uh, was equal to about 23,000 pounds. Um, roughly 7,000 of which it appealed to Parliament for, uh, to make up for that so it didn't have to declare bankruptcy, which sounds like they did it. Um, it went on to continue to be a huge brewery, huge, uh, porter, you know, provider. It did eventually close in 1921, but that's oh, wow. really all the fallout that it had. Now, yeah, lasted a long time. Um, what this did do is in the brewing industry, it replaced the uh, wooden tanks with these, you know, more secure, bigger monstrosities that are lined with concrete. So, um, oh. and what actually, it wasn't just that the band slipped that, that caused this situation. It, they uh, discovered it was actually not just slipping bands, but actually corroded bands. Oh, um, so it wasn't just like it was loose and it started to fall off a little bit. They were just, you know, shitty bands, I guess. Yeah. Um, the the one light in the story, I think, is how the community responded. Because, of course, like, the business, so like, you know, big corporate London and uh, government, you know, didn't, didn't come to help out these people whose, like, lives were just in homes, you know were destroyed yeah. by the negligence of a company. Um, so what happened is that the mourner, so you remember the wake that was being held for a two-year-old boy, uh, mm -hmm. all that of those- is now a wake for many more people. Yes. Um, those people were actually given a wake at the, this place called the Ship Public House. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one, two, three, four, five people uh, had a wake there. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, the bodies of the other people were laid out in a yard in the area by their families, and the public would come visit uh, the family and those bodies and then donate money for their funerals. Oh, that's nice. And then on top of that, there was a general community effort to take up collections for those families who lost people in their homes. Yeah, help them rebuild kind of situation. Yep. 
So that is nice. That is the story of the London Beer Flood of 1814. That I have never heard of that. That was wild. Uh, I <laughs> the idea of a beer flood is really funny, uh, but the actual story is not. <laughs> but but it is also funny. Just I mean, it a is a little flood. funny. <laughs> I mean, it's also sad because it sounds like people died of being crushed. It's not like they died drinking the beer in the street or something. Yeah. Um, impact drowning, I'm sure. Uh, you know, uh, the I tried to find more information on the coroner report, but, um, you know, we don't make money off of this, and I just don't have access to the databases <laughs> that you need yeah. for those kinds of documents. Well, uh, it's so many things like that. If it, like maybe they have that, but it it's not necessarily digitized and that long ago. And yeah, I mean, if it's dealing with London too, tons of records were destroyed in the Blitz. So I don't blame you. That would be like if someone was paying you because you got a big book advance to write a book about this. I'd be like, yeah, girl, get it. But <laughs> we're we're just here to entertain for free. Yeah. That is wild. Uh, so you said you had a story about beer in London. Oh, well, okay, there's that and one. And a related and then... story about <laughs> From your my beer. Life. Yes, your so, life experience. The story about uh, a brewery in London that I thought that this might be the story you're telling um, was in a similar era. Let me Google this really, really quick so I'm not making this up. <laughs> okay, so this was in, yeah, like 1854, 1830 to 1854, there was huge cholera outbreaks, and cholera essentially would make you uh, shit yourself to death. It's, it's shit water. The shit water mm -hmm. that makes you shit. Yeah, it's when you drink poop particles, and then it's terrible. Um, and this doctor, Dr. Jon Snow was one of the first ones to, to trace that it came from water. And one of the ways that he did that was he went to this neighborhood where there's a terrible cholera outbreak. And he realized that the people who worked at the local brewery never got it because they didn't drink water. They drank beer all day and the beer was sanitized. Uh, and that's, that's what I thought you're going to tell. And he, so then the other thing he did, there was a water pump on broad street, the broad street pump, and he removed the handle and that effectively got rid of the cholera epidemic because people couldn't pump from this contaminated well. And I believe now that there is a pub in the area called the Broad Street Pub. Talk about a simple, like, medical solution. All right, I'm just going to take this handle away. <laughs> right? And Fuck so you. in that story, beer is the hero, not the villain. <laughs> <laughs> beer saves the day. Sometimes, you know... Beer gives life, and sometimes beer takes life away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the story for my own life, this might be what Clint will cut and put at the very end.
All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. CSA where you know local produce gets delivered and you don't get to pick what it is it's just like this is what farmers have and it was in the fall and I got tons of beets like so many beets like more beets I like beets but there were so many that I did not want to eat them anymore and so I was trying to find things to do with them and I made this eastern European drink called kvass beet kvass and essentially what you do is you ferment beets in water and then it it makes like a beet soda and you like I added sumac and ginger so it's kind of fruity and earthy and it's it's interesting uh but when you do home fermentation you need to be really careful to check that um so so when something like yeast I said that it eats sugars and it creates alcohol well it also like farts out gas and that's where (laughs) That's where, you know, the bubbles in natural fermentation come from. And so when you do home fermentation, you have to be really careful with the container um, because it can explode because all this gas will come out. Deadly farts. Uh Uh-huh. And they make these things called bubblers that you put on top that, like, allow some of the gas to come out. And I I used to have one, but I don't anymore. And so I have this kvass in, like, a flip top. And, you know, I I would burp it, so I would open it. You know, at night before I went to bed and then in the morning while the kvass was fermenting. And I got a package one morning and my dad sent me this like 1950s wool coat with like a fur collar. And I was like, this is awesome. This is 100% something I would wear. So fancy. Yeah, it was pretty great. And then there was a note that he's like, oh, this was your grandma's. And I'm like, well, now I like it even more. I'm going to wear it all day. I don't have anywhere to go. It's pandemic time. So I'm wearing this like coat over my pajamas like a crazy person. And I go in the kitchen and I go, oh, I forgot to burp the kvass last night. And I flip the flip top and it exploded. Oh, no. Did not break the glass. But... I mean, and beets are bright red just everywhere. Like, I was standing two feet away from a wall, and there was beet juice dripping off that wall higher than my head. Like, all my kitchen counters, the ceiling got beet juice on it, and I have extra high ceilings. They're probably, like, 10 feet tall, maybe 11. And I had it all over my face, all over the arms of this coat. I took a shower later that day, and I had it, like, all over my torso, the skin of my torso. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, you know, fermentation is a serious business, kids. Did the coat make it? The coat went to a dry cleaners. I, so, 
I saw my mom at Christmas, and in order to do that, I, I full-on quarantined for two weeks, so I couldn't take the coat to the dry cleaners, <laughs> but God bless my friend Michelle. She came and picked it up on the porch, and she had to take it to three dry cleaners. The third dry cleaner is finally like, I'll try, and so the stains are faded. It's not perfect because beet juice is literally a dye. Like, if you're just cutting it, it will stain your hands for, like, 24 hours, so, uh, it mostly, mostly recovered, but I also, I guess I, like, I was freaking out and then I was like, well, if it doesn't come out, I guess I'll just dye the whole coat and it'll be maroon instead of cream. But <laughs> it was a stressful day. And like, <laughs> I, you know, I have to clean the walls with like bleach to get the stains off the walls. And like days later I'd open a cupboard and just like find a little stain of beet juice where I missed a spot. This would happen to me. Uh, That's I, a nightmare. Yeah, my partner James, Clint's friend, uh, as he demands that I call him, he was in the kitchen behind me, and I just turned around and, like, was holding my arms out, like, beet juice all over my face and my arms, and I just said, I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, that would be a story that only you would tell. Damn it. I know. And Felix just started the TV again, so I guess that's as good a time as any to say... Goodbye forever. (laughs) Goodbye forever. And Felix, you're rude.